I invite you to take your Bibles, if you will, and turn with me to the Gospel according to Matthew. Matthew chapter 28, we'll begin at verse 19. Matthew 28, beginning at verse 19. Today is Trinity Sunday, when we look at the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So Matthew 28, verse 19, we read, Jesus says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let us pray together. Almighty God, we give you thanks for your holy word and for this privilege of studying it together. And now as I stand before these, your people, this, your church, I pray that this would be your message and not my own. Through the name of Jesus the Christ, amen. One of my favorite hymns is Holy, 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 Lord God the Almighty, early in the morning our song shall rise to thee, Holy, 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 merciful and mighty, God in three persons, blessed Trinity. Trinity Sunday, time where we pause to think about who our God is and how God is expressed in the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Our worship is bathed in the theological language of the Trinity. For example, each week after we have joined together with the Apostles' Creed, we wrap up often in traditional worship with the Gloria Patri. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost. Or as we take up the offering, we often will sing the doxology, Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above, ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. It's essential theology. It's, it's part of who we are. God, one God, the Shema, Deuteronomy 6.4, reminds us, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. One God, but God reveals Himself to us in so many beautiful ways, most especially in the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Jesus himself actually refers to the Trinity in the scripture that we just read. As Jesus is ascending into heaven, preparing to leave the disciples as he's blessing them, he gives what's known as the Great Commission. And he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. How? Jesus said, In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. The Trinity. Jesus mentions it. Paul understands the beauty of the Trinity. In his benediction in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13, Paul says, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We see it throughout the scriptures as well. We see it, for example, in Genesis when God creates. We're told that in the beginning when God created the heavens and the earth, 
The earth was a formless void and darkness covered the face of the deep while a wind from God, the Spirit of God, the Ruach, the Holy Spirit, swept over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. Here we see the Trinity together. God is creating. Holy Spirit is hovering over the waters. And then we hear the Word of God create. How do you see the Trinity there? Well, turn over to John chapter 1, verse 1, and John will remind us that Jesus is the Word of God in flesh. He said, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning, Genesis, with God. All things came into being through Him, because God said, let there be. And without Him, not one thing came into being. And you skip down to verse 14 and you hear, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, lived among us, tabernacled among us. The Trinity, God expressing himself in a variety of ways. We saw it again in Jesus' baptism, Luke chapter 3, verse 21. Now when all the people were baptized and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heaven opened, the Holy Spirit, the pneuma, descended upon him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, the Father, you are my Son, the Beloved, with you I am well pleased. Here we see the Trinity all together. There's the Son, Jesus coming up out of the water, Holy Spirit descending in bodily form like a dove, voice of God the Father saying, you are my Son. Why is this important? Why is it important that we talk about or understand the Trinity? See, our theology sets our identity. The way we live out our lives is in response to our God. So therefore, our understanding of our God is, is valuable. Actually, it's indispensable in the way we know how to, to be the people God is calling us to be. It matters who your God is is. Shirley Guthrie was my advisor in my doctoral project at Columbia Theological Seminary outside of Atlanta and Decatur. And, and Shirley Guthrie wrote this book called Christian Doctrine. In it, he says, it has been said that every single heresy in the past and present history of the church is at bottom a heresy about the Trinity. And that's interesting. Every single heresy in the past and present history of the church is at bottom a heresy about the Trinity. Our understanding of God is absolutely critical. N.T. Wright, the great scholar that I've mentioned often to you at Oxford, has a book entitled For All God's Worth. In it he said, you see, what you believe about God makes a difference to the way you respond to this God. And at the same time, to the way you are in the world. What we believe impacts how we respond and how we live out our lives. For example, if your understanding of your God is some remote God that created the world, kind of wound it up and just kind of let it go, you don't have to pay that God a whole lot of attention. If the God's not really involved with the world, you don't have to think about that God 
too much. Or if your God is a remote, distant God, but on occasion intervenes in the world somehow, then you might would want to maybe worship that God about maybe an hour a week. And that's interesting when there's 168 hours in the week, we'll give God one out of 168. But you don't have to spend a lot of time. And one of the things that you'll see happening is, if that God's not involved, kind of live and do whatever you want to do. It's kind of like when the cat's away, the mouse can play. Or if you have an angry, judgmental God, if that's the way you see your God, it will impact how you live your life. You're always doing something out of fear, trying to appease that God. I often heard sermons when I was growing up. We would go to other churches, hear other preachers, and, and, and the God that a lot of people talked about and preached about seemed a little different than the God I understood because everybody seemed to be afraid. You better do this or God's going to get you. How we understand our God will reflect how we respond to that God, how we then choose to live our lives. Or one of the things I think we hear a lot today is this loving God. But a loving God that has no standards. It's just love. Everything's just about Love. We just, need to, we just need to love each other. We just love. It's all about love. But one of the challenges if you have a God of love but no standards is what's known as libertinism, which means there's really no moral authority. There's, there's no guide. There's no standard. It, it, you can kind of decide what you believe, who you are, just, just love each other. I love the way C.S. Lewis, a great scholar, says... God is love, but love is not God. Catch that. God is love, but love is not God. And what happens there is that it's God who defines what is love. It's, it's not that we define God by what we want love to look like. But God defines love for us. So it matters what kind of God you have. For example, we can have that intimate, loving God who calls us out to be a covenant people. Now that's an interesting God, a God who's always with us, a God who so loves us that he would intervene in our world, intervene in our lives, and not only intervene, but sacrifice himself for us. So defining love then as sacrificial love, a God who calls us out to be the people of God. I'll be your God, you'll be my people. So a God who calls us out, that word church, ecclesia, actually means to be called out, to be called to be a different people, to rise above, to transcend the standards maybe of the world, to be the people of God as defined by God. That's a different God and leads to a different response. So our understanding of God as Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, well, that impacts our faith. It impacts our worship. It impacts our discipleship. It impacts the way we live our lives. 
So what kind of God do we worship? Well, when you hear language like the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one of the things we see there is an intimate God. God created us in the beginning to be in relationship. Now, there are some who argue, but not everyone's image of Father is a positive image. So perhaps we should set the, that language aside and look at language like creator, redeemer, sustainer, which is a beautiful language as well. The challenging thing is, is how do we, how do, we do that and not lose the relationship? God, God created us to be in relationship. So when we hear terminology like Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you hear the intimacy of God, of God wanting to be in a genuine, healthy relationship with us. Or creator, redeemer, sustainer. That's another beautiful way of understanding God as the God who created the world, but when the world was falling, also redeems the world. And not only does he redeem the world, but he then sustains the world. So God the Father creates, the Son redeems, the Holy Spirit sustains. It's beautiful language. Another way to speak of the Trinity, though, sometimes that I've found helpful is that we have a God who is beyond us, a God who transcends us, a God who is with us, and a God who is within us. So God the Father, the Creator, is a God who, who transcends us. That sense of, of all that we have, a God who is beyond us. The creed says, I believe in God, the Father, the Almighty. I, I think one of the challenging things in our world today is sometimes our, our image of God becomes almost so intimate that we lose the sense of majesty of God, the sense of all of God. But what's beautiful is that this almighty, powerful, creating God who can create the whole world by simply saying the word is a God who wanted to be in relationship. When he created the human being, the Adam, it was to be in relationship. And God says in the covenant, I'll be your God. You'll be my people. So we have a powerful God that is beyond us, an almighty God who is beyond us. We have a God who can do all things by merely saying the word, and yet that God wants to be in a relationship with us. I love Psalm 27, verse 1, where we see this powerful God who wants to protect us. Psalm 27, 1 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? I mean, the beautiful thing is, is that we, we don't have some wimpy God that we've created or some calf that we've melted down some jewelry and turned into something we can worship, but the almighty, powerful God who desires to be the stronghold of our lives so we need not be afraid. And yet the intimacy that the Lord is my shepherd. This powerful God wants to lead me and be intimately involved in my life, providing for me and protecting to the point that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. And our God is, is great enough, powerful enough, awesome enough to do something about it. Thus Psalm 121 said, I will lift up my eyes to the hills. 
From where will my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. This God that we worship as God the Father and God the Creator is the God who is so powerful and almighty, he transcends us beyond us. God as Father reminds us of the power of God. And yet, one of the most beautiful things is that this all-powerful, almighty God who can speak the world into existence by simply saying, let there be, creates us in his own image, desires to be in a relationship with us, and when we messed up, did not turn his back on us and reject us, but God himself chose to intervene by coming to live among us, God the Son. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, the incarnation where God takes on human form. But it's God, the Creator God, the powerful Almighty God, who puts on human form to live among us. Matthew 1, 23, the angel says, Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. They shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. That this baby in the manger, this Jesus who comes to live among us, the one who dies on the cross for us is none other than God himself. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 19, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting the message of reconciliation then to us. Philippians chapter 2, verse 6, who though he was in the form of God, God himself did not regard equality as God as something to be exploited, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, and having been found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. N.T. Wright says, the cross speaks of the God who didn't send someone else to do the dirty work, but came and did it himself. Now that changes how we see this God, how we worship this God, how we respond to this God, because our God is not one who is so beyond us that he turns his back on us, but is so intimate that he chooses to come and do the dirty work himself to save us. That's a God who so loves the world. And that's a God who defines what love looks like. So there is God who is beyond us, the creator God, the all-powerful, almighty God. But God also then is willing to come and live with us in the person and work of Jesus the Christ. But then Jesus said in the scripture we read in Matthew, I'll be with you always. I'm going to send my spirit to be with you. And Jesus then sends his Holy Spirit and we experience the God who is within us. The creed continues, and I believe in the Holy Spirit. You see, God's desire from the beginning was not that we have religion, but we have a relationship. 
And we see the Father who creates us in the image, the Son who comes to redeem us and save us, living among us as one of us, dying for us, rising for us. And now this God wants to be so intimate that He lives within us. Part of our lives, part of our being. Therefore, it's not a God that we come and visit one hour on a Sunday morning, but a God who is with us always, as Jesus said. Always, mountaintop experiences, deep in the valley, God is always with us. Jesus said, I will not leave you orphaned. I'm coming to you. John 14, verse 18. N.T. Wright continued and said, On the cross, he dealt with our sin so that he could then work through us. Jesus deals with our mess so that the Holy Spirit can then come and dwell within us and be part of our lives now and forever. There's not a moment of your life that God is not desiring to be with you for He is within you. I love the image of thinking of God as Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It's so Beautiful, the multifaceted way that God relates to us. Father, as a son, as the Holy Spirit, as the creator who speaks it into existence, the redeemer who restores our relationship, the sustainer who maintains and helps us grow. And the God who is beyond us, to remember that our God is a God to be worshipped and praised. We hit our knees and bow before Him because we're in the presence of God. And yet this all-powerful, almighty God chooses to come and live with us in and through the person of Jesus the Christ to teach of the kingdom, to die and rise again. And the God now who chooses to live within us to always be part of our lives, to always be part of who we are. Wright concludes by saying this, He is the God who gives Himself totally to His world. Gives Himself in sacrificial love and pours Himself out generously, recklessly, and prodigally upon His creation. No wonder the church sings, Holy, 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 the Lord God the Almighty. Early in the morning, our song shall rise to thee. Holy, 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 merciful and mighty, God in three persons, the blessed Trinity. That's the God we worship in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.